Hello everybody, welcome back to the football cast. Today is going to be me and co-host Oscar. Hello. And we're back with another episode. So we're going to be talking about something that's happening in this winter. Very exciting tournament, the World Cup. Obviously, it would have been a few weeks ago in the summer that it would have kicked off. But um, unfortunately, it is in Qatar this year. So it will be taking place in the middle of November to the middle of December. We're going to talk about some of the pros and cons of that, who we see as initial favourites before the season evil starts. So if you do enjoy, remember to keep listening. Um, as I've said, the episodes will be coming out every two two weeks this um yeah, over this summer period so if you do enjoy keep listening episodes coming every two weeks we're gonna start off straight away and we're gonna talk about will it being in winter affect the quality of the tournament because obviously we're used to the players having a slight break um in between the uh premier league and the tournament but there is only about two weeks they have and they've got to train obviously with the team they've got to be used to training with that team so is there going to be sufficient training for other for for other clubs to for the other clubs and teams to really prepare for this World Cup, that could affect the quality. Obviously, some countries, including Brazil, who if they do have some homegrown players that aren't in the um, that aren't in the um, European leagues, will um, have finished their league just in the summer. So they'll be on their really um, their break in the summer because their season starts in December or so. So they won't be affected as much. But do you think this will affect the quality of the matches in the World Cup? Definitely the first few games will be a big shock for players because they've been playing you know, they'll be, or at least the players in the Premier League and in the European leagues will have just got into, you know, the kind of uh, uh, the string of things, you know, playing games week in, week out in November. Uh, and then they'll have to go to Qatar. So definitely it will be a big shock. And I do expect the first, you know, few games of the of the World Cup to be, to be a bit tense, a bit edgy, a bit shaky no one wanting to make many risks and also the heat uh it is it will be winter here but in qatar it will be uh it will feel like summer it's in the middle east so uh it'll be almost tropical so it will be you know 30 or so degrees 40 maybe so definitely that will be a big shock for some players so definitely it will make the games slower which is a con um slower and less intense with less intensity so i do expect it to be slightly less entertaining but it will be a very good tournament yeah well we're looking from an english point of view to this where there will be certain countries who are who strongly benefit from this um you know countries including senegal egypt um countries who are accustomed to playing in that hot heat obviously both um both teams in africa qatar themselves will be more accustomed than anyone because they're living in exactly that climate so I think it does have its ups and downs, but if you're looking at it from a Northern European sort of point of view, it will very much feel like playing at the heat of the summer, um, just as it was a few weeks ago in that massive heat wave we had. So I feel like, I think the players are professional though, they will be able to get through it. Um, but that 
but that is something to keep in mind quality and obviously as you said the tempo of the games may very well be slowed down um due to the heat and um you know the fatigue around the players after playing a premier league season yeah i do still think it'll be uh one of the best tournaments because of that element because of the element of it being different being played in december it will make it very entertaining and i think it will make games closer it will make it so that, you know, teams won't really run away with games. Um, so I think that will add an element of interest to the game and make it quite exciting. Um, and yeah, so that is what I'll be looking out for. Have you got any uh, more pros for? Yeah, I think I think you've summed it up quite well there. I think also um, the the the, the, um, the impacts we've already seen is that um, the squads are bigger, so we're going to see more players um, thrive in that international team. So maybe the players who wouldn't quite make the cut, James Ward Prowse, you know, um, possibly even Deli Ali if he has a good season, uh, maybe even Eric Dyer will get a chance to set a step up for their international team. Four extra spaces um, are available for this uh, for this summer. Also. Um... There will be five subs per game will be introduced. And also, I'm not sure if this has been 100% confirmed, but there will be, um, this is a bit interesting, like robot linesman technology, which is new technology implemented by FIFA for the, the new World Cup, which will also be very interesting to see how that works. Hopefully there'll be more clear cut decisions, which will be also um, very good. Um, make games much fairer. But another thing uh, that we need to talk about is the um, is how teams in like how teams in the southern hemisphere will almost have such a, a big advantage. So teams such as Brazil and Argentina, I think in my opinion, will be favourites for um, this new competition um, because of that. I think they just have the edge in, you know, having, being used to the heat and just being able to play more fluid football. Yeah, I 100% agree. And also uh, a thing that does um, lean in Brazil's favour is that they have an incredibly easy route to the final if they were to um, to, to be on great form. That, that would be excellent for them because they would most likely reach the final. Um, on the other hand, England really are going to struggle because obviously I, I much believe in them. But um, their route to the final goes Senegal in the round of 16, France, obviously, if they, this is all depending on if they win um, and if England win their group. And then it would be Belgium and then it would be possibly Brazil in the final. Um, that seems like a, the easiest game there, I think, is Brazil um, in the current state of things. I know Brazil have some very, very technically gifted um, uh, players. Um, but on, in as a form of a team in the World Cup, they didn't do especially well in 2018 and they haven't done very well in the Copa America. So it will be interesting to see. Obviously, they, as you said, the heat will suit them, but it does depend on how they can bond together as a team. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think I th- I'm going to do my favourites for the World Cup, top five teams that I expect. First... I I'm actually gonna put I'm actually gonna put Argentina because of their recent form and 
how and and the um, effect of them being used to the heat. Second, I think I'm going to put France because of the. I mean, they didn't actually have a good Nations League. So now I'm thinking, I think I'm going to put Brazil um, second, also with the implement of heat. And then in third, my third favourite will be, I think I'm going to put, I think I'm going to put France there because, you know, that they won the 2018 World Cup. Uh, Fourth, Spain, because they just have they play very fluid football and on their day they can beat anyone and fifth I'm going to put England I would put them higher up but because of their Nations League um, form and what happened there you know with the Hungary saga and Italy and Germany I'm going to put them lower down yeah is it actually interesting you mentioned um, uh, Argentina because they have such a such a strong squad Emilio Martinez um, you know he won the Copa America with the whole of um, it's Messi's last World Cup he'll want to give it everything um, and they've got Romero they've got a really strong back line really strong midfield Di Maria's probably last World Cup if he hasn't played it already um, you mentioned France I, I'm, I'm not superstitious myself um, but there has been a history of the World Cup curse proved from Germany in the last World Cup they won the World Cup they do that every team has been grouped since at least um, 1996 does that um, does that lean towards complacency? That is true, um, but I, th- I still think France is just such a quality side. They have Kylian Mbappe and Benzema, uh, one of the best one of the best uh, strike partnerships in the um, in the uh, world. Obviously, not since 1966. Um, 1996, uh, since a long time ago is my point. Um, but. Uh, f- it does stand so uh first my favorites would probably be um brazil because of their easy route to the final if i if i wasn't considering heat i would probably have teams like belgium or like um possibly england but um and again brazil at the top um i'd say then uh argentina as you said i'd say england then and i'd say Belgium and I would say Spain because maybe Spain's to switch with Belgium because that Spain's um, Spain's ability in their midfield is just incredible. They got an incredible goalkeeper within Unai Simon, a really um, a, a brilliant uh, keeper who's strong um, in every, almost every aspect of his game. Um, yeah, very good young team as you're saying. Um, Pedri, excellent. Uh, Ferran Torres is excellent. They, obviously, they do slightly lack in the striker department. Morata can put in a shift for the international team though, so that shouldn't be too much of a problem for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, if you were looking at h- how good in- individually each team is, you put England's favourites. Yes. I think England's England's first. England's whole team is worth I think I saw I think about 1.2 billion or so so I think that if England can really work together in this World Cup and if Gareth Southgate can really make the team bond Mm. uh, then I do think England have a very good chance of going all the way because I think in what's uh, what we lacked in 2020 in the Euros final was that big sense of togetherness which is what Italy had Italy had that and they went 
all the way. So I do think if we can just get that sense of togetherness, that sense of a, a proper team, not individuals, then I do think we have a great chance of winning the World Cup. Yeah, well, what worries me is the fatigue. Again, we've come off a really demanding season and we, we've really messed up that um, that Nations League. Um, that is what worries me. Obviously, as I've said, it's been playing in the middle of a Premier League season, the Premier League, the most demanding league in the in the world. Um, I, and most of our players play there apart from Jude Bellingham. Um, so I think that the one of the only things I have about England that could be holding them back is the heat and the fatigue because fatigue has proved bad um, very, very recently on our Nations League campaign. Um, it would be a, a absolutely amazing to see it come home, obviously, this year. Uh, we've been waiting a long, long time. Um, and I feel like what we have the I think we have a better team than ever here. We've got amazing young talent um, in uh, within Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, Mason Mount, Jude Bellingham, uh, Harry Kane still fairly young, Reese James, Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, I think. Yeah, yeah, I do. We have had many golden generations you know we had the that, that generation maybe 10 20 years ago with the likes of frank frank lampard stephen gerrard uh wayne rooney david beckham and all of those greats but we didn't manage to win the world cup so yeah i do think that this is one of the best ch- chances we've had but i think we can't let ourselves get complacent and you know think that because we have such a good squad, it will just be, it will be plain sailing. Because it just isn't, and we've and we've shown that so many times. Yeah, I'd like to move on to another topic that I think I think is quite interesting. Um, if you had a wild card call up, so let's say we've got the squad, it's the same eleven, so it's Pickford in goal um, or Ramsdale. Um, uh, one of the two uh, you have your normal back four with uh, a normal back five with Trent on the right Walker Stones and Maguire as the centre-backs left back Luke Shaw midfield you've got Bellingham and you've got Rice and then the front three uh, and the front three is Sterling Kane and or maybe we'll have uh, or maybe we'll have Mount just behind Kane and Sterling who would you call up for, for for that England depth? Because this is a really interesting topic because we have so much England talent in the Premier League that is unseen. And for me, a real contender, not necessarily my first choice, would be James Ward-Prowse. He was called up in the Nations League and he, he did not do fair, fairly terrible, to be honest. He was he was one of the average players that actually played you know decently within that tournament. Yeah, I mean, with Jim Prowse, to me, he's a great wild card because if you have him on and you have a dangerous free kick, that's a goal, right? So that's a great pro to have him um, uh, on the bench, even. Um, so I do think we should call him up, um, especially since that Qatar have um, expanded the World Cup squad. Um, so now we can have more players. I think having him on the bench is just a great, you know, that, that great wild card that you can always bring on um and he'll he he, his and then he'll always uh you know get it straight on someone's head from a free kick or or score and he's great with the corners so you know with that you you can't really go wrong if you if you have him on the bench which is great um so yeah he is a great wild card yeah and also um 
one player who I really like, two players who I really like, quite defensive players. Um, um, Mark Guehi, the Crystal Palace centre-half, he's really good, he's talented, he can move the ball, he's a proper modern centre-back. That's what the team needs. We can't really be having Maguire um, stuck in that back three forever. Um, he's just so problematic and I understand how um, frustrated Manchester United fans get now. Um, and another defender I really uh, I really enjoy play, watching to play is Eric Dyer, and I think he is very underrated. And I think he would slot well into that England side. He's accustomed to playing in the, in the middle of a three-back. He has the ability to step out into midfield. Obviously, used to be a central defensive midfielder um, or a right back, um, but now he does have the ability to step into the midfield. He can play passes over the top. We saw it several times in Spurs versus Arsenal. He caught holding out because that ball was just no one could get, catch up with that ball apart from Son on that pitch, and he just he got holding sent off. I think it. It was a combination of Son and Dyer, but it was mainly Dyer. And I think he is a player who really needs to be taken into consideration, um, considering that there is also, there is, you know, the factor of a three back in that England side. Yeah. Um, now, another thing is, which is interesting, which um, Southgate's tried many times before is, um, which formation to play because Southgate has tried two form formations in the um, Nations League both of them just not working out uh, he tried a four back and he tried uh, a three back with uh, two wing two wing backs which in your opinion works better for England I think for England I think it really works that we use that um, that three back because the, the, the wing-backs we have are not defensive at all. Reese James and Trent Alexander-Arnold have just proved to us that they can't defend. They're just incompetent, really, at defending. They, they can do some, but Champions League final, Reese James um, giving away the penalty, both of them, absolutely shocking um, against Hungary uh, um, for Reese James. Um, I feel like if we're deploying um, Reese James and Trent and maybe even Chiuel Trippier as well, some great fullbacks in that line. They're very attacking. Um, they can they have a good, very very good cross on them, and they got an even better shot on them. Um, if we can deploy them down the wings, up higher, supporting Saka, supporting um, Sterling, you're going to create more chances. What the chances give you? Goals. Um, and obviously, what wins your games? Goals. Uh, by going by that logic, surely the five back works the best for England. Yeah, but that it does work well. But against teams that uh, play counter-attacking formation, we've seen that against Hungary. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't seem to work because if these teams soak up the pressure and then launch it forward, we're caught out. And then so many times we've seen that happen, and so many times we've seen goals like that uh, come coming coming from. Uh, from that so i not all formations are like almost all formations for england do have a, a con to them and do seem to have one negative but i do think that we we we, we would need that balance in the side so i think i think we need to go to a fallback because um from what i've seen in the nations league in the World Cup, there, there will be many teams that do soak up the pressure like Hungary. And from what I've seen, I just think it seems 
ridiculous uh, at the World Cup to try, at least for the first few games, um, a five-back. For later in the competition against, or when when the team begin to become really good, like in the later stages of the competitions, quarterfinals and so on, then I think we should use a five-back. But I think in the group stages, especially against you know USA, Wales, Iran, I think we do need to play that four-back just to so just to um, not be caught out on the counter-attack. Yeah. Um, but then, but then we'll get outdone in midfield, really, because you you've te- it's technically just a lopsided four three three or four two three one. Um, we up coming up against teams including Spain, who have the likes of Gavi, Pedri, and Sergio Busquets in midfield, are three very quality midfielders, and I feel like we would just get outdone every time by having that sense of solidarity, having Mason Mount, Declan Rice, and Calvin Phillips two defensive, one attacking. I feel like that would. Um, which is very similar now I've said it to the 4-2-3-1 but I feel like that three back will suit us better now I'm going to move on a bit to the other side of the international tournament um, there are some definite wild cards in this tournament um, we've used that word a lot I'll, I'll define it I'd say that for me a wild card is someone you wouldn't expect uh, something you wouldn't expect maybe something extra who could do quite well so Doug, um, probably you, the be- the best example probably for this is World Cup 2018 Croatia, who made it to the final, beating um, uh, obviously uh, beating us in the semi-finals, England, uh, but in extra time it was uh, Manzukic who scored that goal. Um, who do you think could be the big wild card or the dark horse, as it's traditionally called, for this World Cup season? Because obviously there are there are quite a few names that spring to mind initially probably you know Denmark yeah yeah Denmark that that's the one for me they've been they were the dark horses in the Euros getting to the semi-finals when we eventually beat them uh and they've done extremely well in the Nations League beating um France obviously Denmark aren't always expected um but they are heavily underrated they, they have a great squad you know with the likes of uh, Ericsson and so on. So I do think that they should have a, a good chance of getting to the quarterfinals, semi-finals, all of that. I haven't actually checked which side of the draw they're on, but uh, that that um, I do expect them to be um, the uh, dark horses of the tournament because they've shown it so many times before. So I just do think that they have the potential um, because also of um, they have such a togetherness and that was shown when uh, Christian Eriksen had that cardiac arrest on the pitch against Finland. They have that t- togetherness that just brought them through in the Euros. So I just think that with that team spirit, they can go quite far. Yeah. And one other I would also consider is Wales, because I feel like um, obviously their play is circled around one player and that is um, uh, Gareth Bale. But um, with players like the likes of Brennan Johnson, who's now getting Premier League experience, um, lots of other key players in that um, team, Ben Davies, of course. Um, I strongly believe that Wales could go uh, away, maybe not to the final, um, as you might expect, you know, other teams. But, you know, quarterfinals could be a very good shout for them. Obviously, then then they do lack experience because this is the first time they qualify for the World Cup in a long, long time. And... I feel like they would be, they would be 
a team who really uh, who really um, did quite struggle with that experience. Um, and I feel like that's sort of what let them down in the Euros as well, obviously uh, crashing out in the round of 16. Yeah. Um, also, another thing, um, they, they have a great team togetherness, but they do uh, rely a lot on Gareth Bale. And, you know, he is getting old. His form, as we've seen for Real Madrid, isn't always great. Uh, one moment he's scoring, banging free kicks, and then the other moment he's just walking around the pitch, um, not seeming to care and not playing well. So, you know, he is quite inconsistent. So on, on, it, on his day, Wales will couldn't go definitely very far in the tournament. But if he doesn't turn up, then I, I don't think they have a chance as dark horses. Yeah, um, I think that yeah that sums up the dark horses quite well to be honest. Thank you very much, everybody. If you did make it this far to listening to the episode, that is our World Cup talk um, for this for this week. Um, obviously, as I've said earlier this episode, uh, if you did enjoy, remember to keep listening. Uh, episodes coming every two weeks for this summer period. So, thank you very much, everybody. If you did get this far.